as women, we are so conditioned to see relating to ourselves as a destination as somehow selfish or self-indulgent or some sort of, you know, um, betrayal of our role as women. Your first responsibility is to have a kind and curious relationship with your own experience. Sylvia and me. Hi, I'm Sylvia Beckerman. Join me today as I talk to an extraordinary woman who is changing the world by making a difference in her life and the lives of those around her. I'm Nancy Collier, and I am, well, what I do for a living is I'm a psychotherapist and an author and an interfaith minister, and I, um, gosh, so much. I, uh, I work with a lot of women, and my upcoming book is about women and what I'm finding in the field. So let's talk about it. Welcome to Sylvia and me. Nancy, thank you so much for joining me here today. And as you said, you're, you're an author and your latest book is The Emotionally Exhausted Woman, Why You're Feeling Depleted and How to Get What You Need. Um, before we get into that, because it is so timely, your, your book before that was Can't Stop Thinking, The Power of Off. Um, and before that, I love the titles of your book, Inviting a Monkey to Tea, Befriending Your Mind and Discovering Lasting Contentment. I mean, it's just, it, it makes you want to pick up the book. Um, as you said, you're also a uh, blogger for Psychology Today and Huffington Post. You spent 25 years as a top-ranked equestrian on the National Porsche circuit, and you serve as a performance consultant to professional athletes and artists. Um, I'd like to go into maybe a little bit more of your background. Why, um, why mindfulness? Why you talk a lot about, you say you're a mindfulness teacher. What exactly do you mean by that? Well, just to go back for a moment to the book. So I wanted to clarify too, that can't stop thinking and the power of offer two separate books. Yes. So Can't Stop Thinking is a book that is really about our primary addiction. It's our <laughs> primary addiction, thinking. And we are fascinated, fascinated, fascinated by every bit of minutia that our mind spits up at us, right? And we go down every rabbit hole and we narrate our life constantly. And we're essentially not where we are ever because we're busy in some sort of storyline that our mind is coming up with. Right. So in, in my nearly 30 years as a therapist, what I found creates the most suffering is really our relationship with thinking. So it's the biggest problem. A, that we believe our thoughts and B, that we believe that because you have a thought, you have to think it. <laughs> wow, is that mistaken? So I, I address a lot. Mindfulness is essentially just taking a look at our own mind. It's, it's really an unfortunate word. It's kind of the opposite. It's kind of 
learning to empty the mind or learning not to be so identified with mind. So mind will be busy, busy, busy. It's telling you a thousand things. It's told you a thousand things before. It's telling you a thousand things that are unhelpful or whatever nonsense it's up to. What starts to happen when you practice what I offer in these books is you don't really have to bother so much about what the mind is up to. In fact, we build, as I talk about in Inviting a Monkey to Tea, we build a sense of compassion for our own mind because it's really just a frantic animal that thinks, and here's the most important part, it thinks that we are only mind. So if we have a gap in thoughts, it, it believes we don't exist anymore. So we never give ourselves a chance to rest and just be in the present. That's it. That's it. We're terrified. If we stop narrating the present moment or judging it or having something to say about it, it's like we, we can't feel ourselves. Where, where are we? We tell the story of me. But when we stop doing that and we're actually just in our direct experience, it's, a, it's like going swimming without a wetsuit. It's like, oh my God, we're in our life. We're not talking about it to ourselves, right? So I write a lot about this addiction to thinking because while we definitely are in a lot of very difficult external circumstances very often, that's not to minimize that. I have found, and it's just my experience, that our primary suffering comes from what's happening inside our own mind. Well, that's just it. And with what we have gone through over the past two years and sort of just coming out of it, um, have you found that people were more you know, we're just so involved with thinking because they didn't have anything else to do. Their minds just kept going, trying to figure out what's going to happen, what's going to happen. This is what happened in the past. Oh, my word. I don't know what's going on. Well, 110% of what you said. So when we are, you know, as humans, right, the thing we hate the most is to not feel in control. So when we don't feel in control or we're in what becomes a beautiful space, but we don't know it yet, which is, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All I can do is live this moment. You know, as you practice more, that becomes the delicious place. But to start, that's terrifying. So what we do in the face of that is we, we construct a whole narrative. Here's my reality. Here's my narrative. Here's what happens if blah, 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 blah. Those are the catastrophizers, right? And then we have the people who just keep reliving, well, this is what happened in the past. So that's what's going to happen. And, you know, this means this and this. We're, we're so busy with our narratives. And what we're really resisting all the time is, I don't know. Well, that's the thing. And I know that one of the things that you've said is your work is awareness work, not interpretive. Right. And that is what we've been talking about is just being aware in the present. That's it. And with compassion, right? So we're aware, yes. 
with whatever is arising, right? The thing we do as humans, again, it's so, it's so inborn and we're conditioned to continue doing it, is everything that happens, right, Sylvia, is some sort of reflection on me. So if this happens, then it means this about me. If this happens, so we're constantly trying to control what's happening because we're trying to protect this little fragile identity, right? At the same time, because we're so identified with our opinions and what we think, that if anybody doesn't agree with us, it somehow means we're not allowed to exist, right? With our ideas, because you have a different experience of life. There's some crazy belief that we share a reality, right? Oh, that's true for you. Wonderful. And this is what's true for me. We need to learn how to ride that bicycle where coexisting and different truths exist peacefully with each other. So there is this constant attempt to control everything in our life so that we can feel just remotely psychologically intact. That's that's putting so much on ourselves. I mean, that is just talking about it is exhausting. (laughs) Right. And it creates so much suffering. You know, that's the part that people come to me and don't recognize is that attempt to use everything that happens as some sort of reflection on who I am. You know, that who we are, as you start practicing more of these either Buddhist techniques and, and non-dual techniques and uh, awareness practices, our sense of who we really are expands to something that can hold or allow all of it, because we're not any of those things. Exactly. And, and you know, it, it just it just gives you a better perspective and and relationship with yourself and then and then from there that will then pour out to the people around you but basically yourself yeah it all comes back and you know as women we are so conditioned to see relating to ourselves as a destination as somehow selfish or self-indulgent or some sort of, you know, um, betrayal of our role as women, right? To imagine that our relationship with ourself is primary, right? But that's part of what I teach women to, um, to start to honor, which is how you welcome and allow and get curious about your own experience is how you live in the world. And it's your first, it's your first responsibility is to have a kind and curious relationship with your own experience. Exactly. Exactly. And it takes, it, it takes um, perseverance. It takes that, that, forethought forethought to really put yourself in that place to to do it and as women we don't we fight so hard to do it and so many of us fail 
but so that, many of us fail, yeah. Yep. And that so brings more and me, more of us are, are succeeding. More and more yes, of us are succeeding. Because, because we are having conversations, because we are realizing that we don't have to go through things alone, that we do need to take care of ourselves. And that's not being selfish. That's self-care. And one of the things, that's why I, I was drawn to the emotionally exhausted woman. We think of self-care as getting a facial, going to the spa, you know, and, 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 and so on. Now, mind you, some of those things help people. It's, you know, there are, there are women who, you know, that's what they live for. Okay, fine. But self-care is so much more than that. Um, tell Another us, animal. <laughs> yes. So tell us why you went from uh, your previous book uh, to, was there, was there a path that you thought that you needed to go from can't stop thinking to the emotionally exhausted woman? Because there seems to be a connection. Just in the title alone. Yeah, yeah, of course. So I'd love to say that, you know, well, absolutely our thinking wipes us out, right? Our thinking about all the things we've done wrong as women, our guilt, our shaming and blaming of ourselves creates a kind of chronic exhaustion, right? This sense of we're always seeking some sort of self-correction, We're always on a self-improvement plan. We're never complete. We never have the key to the castle in our own pocket. There's some guru, there's some facial potion, there's some sound bath that will complete us, of course. But, But I would say that also, you know, as an author, we evolve, right? And we 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 get interested in new things as well. And one of the things I kept seeing in the field, Sylvia, was women who described themselves as emotionally exhausted. I just kept bumping into it. And, you know, the question that I would ask when I would ask women, who's taking care of you? Most women would burst into tears. They just burst into tears. That's their response to that question. And I wasn't so interested in the way sort of the self-help industry addresses that problem, which is, you know, how to get other people to take care of us. Because I come out of a spiritual practice, I'm more interested in how do we care for ourselves. Exactly. So the book is not dishonoring the power of massage and all of these wonderful, wonderful things, but it's really about how do we step into our own shoes in our lives? So many of the women I have met over these 30 years talk about having disconnected from something really vital in themselves, a sense of connection to themselves, a sense of their own power, a sense of their own authenticity. And you know, what what happens to us little by little, and it happens to a lot of successful women who, by society's standards, have everything. And and that's the thing, it's perception. There's a perception there. That's it, this is the trap. So these women are really talented at becoming likable. 
They yep. know how to be likable and they're really good at it. And so they get all these rewards and they get all the cash and prizes. And yet on the road to being reliably and consistently likable, they lose something so fundamental in themselves. They lose a sort of tether, if you will, to their own truth. Right? I, I so agree. Um, you know, we're brought up, women are brought up, we're supposed to be nurturing, we're supposed to care for everyone, we're supposed to be likable, we're not supposed to make a fuss, we're not supposed to, there's so many not supposed to's that we fall into that, that, that rut, that routine, that routine, and it takes a lot to be able to, as you said, it's been in, in your 30 years when, when you ask a woman who's taking care of you, um, it, it's, it's, it's not unfathomable that the majority will burst into tears because they realize that we've been so busy taking care of others and making sure that we don't step on the wrong toes and, 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 you know, women in business and women uh, talking, having a conversation just with other people. You're not supposed to raise your voice. You're not supposed to be assertive. You're not supposed to do this. Luckily we're starting to come out of that, but how do we, you know, in, in, today's world where we're just starting to get back out into society again. How do you suggest we go about with with the self-care? Because there have been so many things going on, you know, talking about women don't have time to do this, moms don't have time to do that. And that to me is a lot of malarkey because if you're thinking about all that stuff, how do you have time to think about that stuff? You know, so what, just sit back and take a look at what you're saying. If you really have to list all of that, there's something wrong there. Absolutely. You're spot on. Very insightful. You know, in regard to what you're saying, one of the chapters that I, I have to say, as painful as it was, that I had the most fun also writing was a chapter on who not to be, how we learn very early who not to be. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we get all these messages from the media about, you know, be strong, be powerful, <laughs> have me say no. But the deeper message underneath, right, is don't be difficult, don't be demanding, don't be a control freak, don't be impossible to please, don't be angry, don't be bitter, don't be high maintenance. Don't, and I have a whole <laughs> chapter which made me laugh as I was writing it because it's, we all know it. We all know where, oh gosh, you know, if I do this, I'll seem like a control freak. If I do that, I'll be a prima donna, you know, and the words that women told me as I, you know, interviewed and talked to, you know, so many women, they were all the same, the fears. So there's an underlying, despite all the progress we've made, there's a very strong message of, if you're going to be that, you will be judged you will not belong, you will be rejected. That's the deeper message. So a lot of this book is a kind of 
boots on the ground look at how do we risk? What are some of the ways that we start to risk being who we are rather than just being likable? So how do we, for example, the first one of welcoming how I feel is how I feel. I'm not guilty for feeling the way I feel. For most women, it's my fault is the default. Yes. So, right, early training, we did something wrong. If people are unhappy, that's the only solution, right? We did something wrong. How do we do it differently? So unlearning that we are responsible for everyone else's experience unlearning that we have to manage everyone's experience of us because no one can be uncomfortable, right? Only we can be uncomfortable. We can manage anything, but no one else should have a negative experience. So what do we need? How do we massage our truth? How do we make ourselves uh, a little bit sweeter, a little bit so that you're okay? Because that's our primary job in life. Make sure you're okay, right? So one, as I move into the second part of the book, I really talk about, okay, first is really becoming aware of this core belief that I'm to blame for the experience I'm having, right? If I'm angry, I could choose to be happy. Why am I angry? Something wrong with me, I'm angry. (laughs) And then of course, the the split off, the, the sort of splinter belief from there, which is, and it's my wrong experience that then causes my suffering. So why am I going to welcome or move towards what I'm creating and what makes me unhappy? I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) There's your trap. So I, I look, I go into some of the core beliefs that we've taken on that are really, really imprisoning. And then I start to talk about what what it is for women to just tell the truth. (laughs) It's so crazy. And and it's tell the truth in our own head too. I mean, to 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 ourselves. Right. Exactly. Starting with ourselves and then out. That's right. right. I had a woman in my office yesterday. I mean, it broke my heart, but you know, she was on an airplane a couple of days ago and she wanted a pillow and then first thing was, oh, I'd be a bother. I'd be a bother, right? She's oh, like, yes. <laughs> I know. I think about that. <laughs> imagine, imagine this is a very successful 55-year-old woman. She'd be a bother if she doesn't ask. And then when the woman came by, the flight attendant, to ask, she's like, well, you know, um, when you get to it, she completely, yeah. yeah. And so first, it's just saying out loud, I'd like a pillow. And not apologizing. That's it. That's it's, it. it, 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 it I, I still work at that. I mean, I work oh. at that every single day. Yeah. Um, right. it, it's it's that that's the work that to me is the work that needs to be put in. Not saying you don't have time for this and that, but to stop apologizing for yeah. for how we feel, how we think. Um, 
you know, if we're saying something wrong, well, then someone will fact check us and, and tell us. But to, to have the courage to say, can I have a pillow, please? Add the word please in, not because that pillow. You know, Absolutely. Absolutely. I had a woman last week, because I do a lot of this work with women, and she was turning 40, and her partner said, you know, oh, you know, I really wanted to do something, but I've just gotten into calling around for restaurant reservations and everything's booked. So, you know, maybe we'll just order in for your for your 40th. And she she said, you know, the old version of me would have said, oh, that's okay. I just appreciate anything, (laughs) you know, and she did the whole shtick. And then in this case, she said very respectfully and very kindly, I'd really like to do something special for my 40th. That was it with a period at the end of that. There you go. Yeah. And she, she said, I already got the best birthday present I ever got by saying that out loud. And, and, and it really is the best birthday present. It is. You get yourself. Exactly. And the truth and you get the truth. And you communicated in a way that, as you said, was very respectful. It wasn't, you know, weepy and crying and then or not saying anything and then feeling awful for a very long time, because then you get to take that with you. And years later, you can go, oh, you know how bad I felt 20, 30 years ago? Yes. You know, I still am hurt about that instead of just accepting own it just own 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 what's true right and when we do that also you know we're so for women there's such a sense of i want to be known deeply known for more than just the roles i play i want to be known in my actual experience and the only way that that's possible is if we actually start speaking of our real experience we have to, and that's it. The, the thing that we need to find time to do is talk to ourselves, open up our hearts, and and first accept who we are, love ourselves, because no one else can love you un- unless you love and like yourself, and have the confidence to to be able to own that. That's right. And the, the, the word I want to just add into your beautiful list there is no oneself, actually no oneself. You know, Socrates said it a million years ago, you know, it was the, it was the first real form of self-care, which is know thyself, make a space at the table for what's actually true for you. That's the chair we leave out of the table. So first is get to know yourself with a curious and kind ear, right? And the last thing, you know, I wanted to say too, just about that is that the other thing that women do, I don't want to leave it out of the conversation is that we have an experience and then someone else important in our life has a narrative about that experience. And then we throw out and dismiss our Our. experience and take on their perception of our experience and then are to blame for our experience. And so what I do is a lot of work in the book and also with people helping them separate because that's their storyline on your experience. 
based on their condition, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> let's, let's help you stand in your shoes that this is your experience and that stands in the face of it. But boy, do we take on our self-experience is defined by other people's perception. See, that's it. That's when we were talking before. That's exactly, to me, that is key because sometimes we don't think about things that we're that are going on in our lives and what we've done we think oh it doesn't match up to somebody else's oh it's too little it's too it 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 doesn't it, it doesn't really matter but yet it mattered so much it could be the tiniest little thing like that email it could be the tiniest little thing and and we suppress it because people have bigger problems. My problems can't be. That's, right. that's not so because everyone experiences things differently. And we need to, to again, appreciate ourselves. Yeah. Stand in our own shoes. We matter. Yes, right. We Your do. experience matters because it's your experience. Nancy, I, I, I am so glad we got to talk because especially in today's world, when we're going through so much, women have been hurt so, um, so emotionally, mentally, physically from the last two and a half years. Mind you, we've been going through this for, for a long, long, long time. And now we're being hit with all this stuff where people want to take so many of our rights away. That madness. We, we, madness. Madness. That if we don't start thinking about owning who we are and putting that out there, we can't really fight for anything else. We need to That's own good. ourselves. And I think the work you're doing is so necessary. Um, the the book says so much it's something that that all women should really hear about because we need to stop feeling oppressed because we do it to ourselves in so many ways yes we do and that's where we have to start we have to turn to stop attacking ourselves that we're responsible right for our own suffering we really have to step up there and the work starts with us. The work starts with us. Nancy, where can people find out more about you? So the book is available for pre-order now on Amazon and everywhere else. Um, it comes out in November and my other books are everywhere. Um, my website is nancycollier.com. Very straightforward. One L though. People often put two L's in it. One L. And um yeah, I, I'm, I'm delighted. I, I think that uh, we really need to stand in our own shoes here. And I appreciate uh, you're getting the message out. Nancy, thank you so much. Um, as I said, you're helping so many women. Uh, as are you, as are you by opening the community and the conversation. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining me today. If you liked what you heard, please share it with another person you think would be interested. And if you haven't already, please subscribe. This has been a Life of Prey production.